Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 952 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today on the podcast, I'll be speaking with a mom of a 12-year-old with type 1 diabetes and Down syndrome. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Few quick things. Join the Facebook group Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes to meet 40,000 other people who are living with diabetes. It's a private group. I think you're going to love it. There's something there for everyone. Juicebox Podcast Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. Doesn't matter what kind of diabetes you have, you're welcome in that group. Other quick stuff. Save 35% off your entire order at CozyEarth.com when you use the offer code JUICEBOX. Get 10% off your first month of therapy at betterhelp.com forward slash juicebox. And to get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first order, drinkag1.com forward slash juicebox. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries. Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. My name is Joanna. I have three daughters, my oldest of which is 12, and she is the one who is type 1 diabetic, and I live in Canada. Okay. Your 12-year-old's a T1. Just for context, how old are your other kids? They are eight. So I have eight-year-old identical twins oh, and then wow. the 12-year-old. Did that... um. I don't know. I don't know what phrasing I was just about to use, but my brain was like, don't say it that way. <laughs> uh, was that from IVF or luck? We did have help. So we did uh, actually IUI and Clomid to get pregnant with the twins. Um, but they uh, identical twins are spontaneous. And so it was a surprise. We actually were pregnant with triplets at the beginning. Oh my so it looked like the third one was um, fraternal, but we'll never know, passed away, and then ended up with identical twins. Wow. However, I'm an identical twin myself. So there's no real data about whether identical twins run in families or not. Usually it's fraternal twins, mm -hmm. but it's certainly possible. Uh, and that's just the way it, it turned out in our family. I'm an identical twin. I have identical twins. Wow. My neighbors have two sets of fraternal twins. Wow. That's uh, interesting. So yeah. they had babies twice and ended up with four kids, which is the way I think of it. <laughs> A two for one discount. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Less sex, more responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, we're here to talk about your 12-year-old, obviously. Yes. And we're not going to use her name. So I'm yeah. saying that out loud so everybody knows we're talking around it a little bit and so that we remind each other of the same thing. So how do you want to how do you want to refer to her? As P. Okay. So um P has Down syndrome. So she was diagnosed at birth with Down syndrome. And people with Down syndrome tend to have a lot of autoimmune conditions. So um 
even though she's been really healthy throughout her whole life, she has sort of developed autoimmune conditions along the way. So at one years old, she developed alopecia. So her all her hair fell out and it hasn't really ever grown back. At four, she developed hypothyroidism. And so we've been treating her with Synthroid uh, since then. And then she developed diabetes in January of 2022. Oh, that's so recently. Um, yeah. Hey, the hypothyroidism, is it Hashimoto's? They've never called it Hashimoto's, okay. but it is autoimmune. So we we did see an endocrinologist. They ran the autoimmune panel. They said, yes, it's autoimmune, but they've never actually called it Hashimoto's. So unless I'm wrong, that's Hashimoto's. Okay. So, uh, hey, we'll Google it later. Um, okay. So, but the diabetes came up, oh my gosh, like not, not even 10 months ago? Yeah. So we, I feel like, the triggering event was we went to, we had a big family gathering at Christmas. Uh, my nephew was sick. Um, P picked it up. And so she got quite sick with it. Nothing. I mean, she, we managed her at home, but she was off. Um, she was sick for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then shortly after that, she started drinking lots of water. Uh, and so I had known what the, what lo drinking lots of water meant. I knew it was a risk factor for diabetes. And Eventually, it went on long enough that I thought, I like, I, I need to look into this. Right. Uh, so I called the pediatrician. He said, yeah, we'll order blood work. So we did uh, blood work on a Friday. He called me at home at nine o'clock that night and said, you need to go to the hospital. Uh, her, her blood sugar is really high. So we packed up, went to the hospital, and then we were diagnosed. Like, that was a Friday night um, on Saturday with diabetes. Yeah. It's not a hard and fast rule. Uh, but if your doctor calls you at night to tell you something, prepare it's a bad yourself. sign. Yeah, prepare yourself. Yeah. He's like, we cannot wait till morning. Not a not a good not a good sign at all. No, uh, Joanna, no. Okay. So they tested us. We walked right in <clears throat> to the hospital um, into an intake room. They tested her um, blood sugar right there, and it read high. So I, I didn't actually knew I didn't know what that meant mm -hmm. at at the time. I was like, oh, that's weird. It's high. <laughs> I didn't know it meant it's so high. I can't read it. <laughs> um, and so they ended up getting, they did the blood work. Uh, her blood sugar was 36 at diagnosis, which is 648. Wow. I did the conversion for you. <clears throat> Thank you. Wow. Uh, and her A1C was 13.8. So high, but she was not in DKA. Um, it was, they're just, she just wasn't that sick. It was just the the drink and the urination or the drinking and the urination that was happening at that point. But they did admit us uh, because it was a weekend. None of the courses started until Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we got into the diabetes clinic right away on Monday. Wow. I wonder if uh, we'll never know. I'm just like thinking out loud, but I wonder if the illness also had her blood sugar driven up as well, because it's a short amount of time, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. But it, her, the, the thirst really increased really quickly to a point where I just couldn't ignore it. Okay. Like I was, you know, yeah, for yeah. a day or two, I just thought I like, it can't be diabetes. It can't be diabetes. And then after a day or two and it continues, you're like, Oh, it's diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you have a, did you have a, I hope not list in the back of your head of things that might happen to her as she got older? Yes. And that was definitely one of them. So I know of a couple of of children in the Down syndrome community that have type 1 diabetes. Mm -hmm. We don't have anyone in our community group that has it, but uh, I know someone online um, whose son has a type 1 diabetes and celiac. And then I know of a couple other uh, families through social media who have it. And so definitely that was one of it. 
Uh, one of the things that I was desperately hoping that she would not get. Uh, but here we are. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the twins have any issues at all? ADHD. So they all actually have ADHD. Okay. Uh, and so they have me to thank for that. Um, and I was only diagnosed with ADHD after all three of them were. And, and then it finally occurred to me, oh my gosh, they're just like me. Uh, and so I went through the diagnosis process with a psychiatrist. And so sure enough, I have ADHD as well. How does that so, impact them and you? Uh, for the twins and myself, it's emotional regulation. And so for them and myself, we, um, we just have tantrums far longer than um, is really typical for children. And so they're eight years old and regularly have tantrums um, where they just cannot, you know, control uh, their emotions. And for when you look at size of the problem, it's really quite out of um, out of range for the size of the problem of what we're, oh, you know, oh, I see. what the denied request yeah. is. I want this yeah. spoon, you wanted that spoon, and four hours later we're arguing about it still kind of thing? Something like that, yeah. 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 Mostly to deny requests. So can I go to the park? No. And then it's a massive meltdown. Okay. Um, and, you know, for students and for children in grade four, like that's a pretty big reaction for yeah. how does that a no. How does that look in your life? For me, um, so I've had all kinds of issues with emotional regulation growing up. And um, I, by the time I was in my early 20s, I had a diagnosis of major depressive disorder. So what happens is when you don't treat emotional dysregulation when you're young, it just turns into something else. Uh, so for me, it was anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. um, which uh, has stuck with me throughout my whole life. And so I'm on medication now. I have been for years and years. I do much better on the medication and being on the medication helps control my ADHD symptoms. Well, you know what you need, Joanna? A uh, kid with Down syndrome <laughs> and type 1 diabetes. That'll, right. Yeah, that's, that's perfect for you. <laughs> right. So actually having kids with Down syndrome um, has been sort of probably the most transformative thing experience of my life. So it was the very first thing in my life that uh, a challenge and um, an issue that I have that I had faced that I couldn't change. So if I, you know, had a job I didn't like, I could change it. If I didn't like what I was taking in school, I could change it. If I didn't like where I was living, I could move. You can't change Down syndrome. (laughs) You cannot take chromosomes out of people. Uh, And so I had so much work to do on my thinking about disability and um, Down syndrome and cognitive disabilities that I was forced to take on when uh, my daughter was born and I did take it on and I worked through it with uh, a counselor and then just, you know, and by myself eventually. Um, And it was very freeing. Uh, So it was very freeing to just be able to let go of my judgments of things all the time um, and to really accept my daughter for who she was and where she was at and really celebrate um, every single milestone that she went through yeah. uh, for and without comparing her to other children. And so uh, I did some work with mindfulness. Mindfulness is when you um, you sort of just you pay attention without judging what um, what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. So I could really pay attention to where she was at, the milestone that she was working on, and then really celebrating when she got past it uh, or when she you know, met the goal that she was working on. And I still do that to this day. Um, and it really allows me to see her for her without comparing her to other children or her sisters um, or, you know, her peers in her classroom. Right. That seems like a wonderful gift, actually. 
It really was. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, okay. So uh, my last question before I move back to P is, are there other autoimmune issues in your family line? Couple. Yeah. So there's no, there's no type one diabetes. Uh, my grandmother had hypothyroidism and I think she had, I forget what it's called, but when you lack B vitamins, pernicious anemia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it as far as I know. Wow. So okay. it was out of the ordinary. Oh, my husband's side, they have lots of hypothyroidism um, and high blood pressure. I don't know if that's, yeah. uh, that's autoimmune, not, yeah, but I don't, I don't think the whole family is. has it. <laughs> you just get it when you, you get it when you get your license. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, they're Polish. And so I think it's actually very, very common in the Polish community. But, really? Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. So I'd like to take a little time to understand what it's like to uh, raise a child. Is it, is Down syndrome? Like, I don't know the phrasing. Like, I want to say Downs, but I don't know if that's okay. So. Uh, in North America, it's Down. Down. Uh, and okay. so in Europe, they say Downs. But in North America, it's Down, uh, Down syndrome. Uh, you can also refer to it as uh, uh, T21 or Trisomy 21. Well, let's try to um, keep it easier for me. That's not going to okay. <laughs> Scott, you can also so, use yeah, down words. is fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so down. Okay. Yeah. Um, but Down syndrome is okay as well. Oh, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So is this something you know in utero or do you learn at birth? It can be both. So we did do so the triple screen um, at around 12 weeks and our chances of Down syndrome were higher. So it was one in 17, which is about a 6% chance. Mm -hmm. And at that time, we just thought, we'll just wait and see what happens at the the 20 week ultrasound, see what we can see. Because oftentimes Down syndrome comes with um, heart defects or other kinds of differences in utero. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, we'll just deal with it if we see something different. So we get to the 20 week ultrasound, everything's perfect. Um, she measures perfect. Um, she's good size. There's like absolutely no differences. So we really just, you know, push it to the back of our heads. This isn't happening. She's not going to have Down syndrome. She's perfect. Uh, and so my water broke early around 36 weeks. We went in, had her, uh, she had low muscle tone when she was born and they immediately suspected Down syndrome. So we just went through the whole diagnosis process. Um, she needed a little bit of extra help when she was born with the eat, six, eat suck, swallow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she was in NICU for a couple of days and then was released to us after that, where we went through um, genetics. And then we got connected to something called the Down Syndrome Clinic, what was in our area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we started receiving therapies right away. So we've got PT, OT, and speech therapy, which is really for eating at that time. Uh, and then connected to other families as well who had children right around the same age as us. So we have, you know, four or five families that we're quite close with that have 12 year olds with Down syndrome now. Right. Are you able to, I don't know if you can think back that far, but are you able to, are you able to absorb it when you're learning it? Or is there so much to do that you go on autopilot and follow what you're told? it's hard to say. I mean, it was 12 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so there was a time when I just had to wait and let my baby be a baby 
for the first couple months before I was ready to jump into the Down syndrome clinic uh, and start with the therapies. It was a hard time yeah, uh, for us. But once, once I got going and once I realized this is what I need to do for my child uh, to give her the best chance, then I just did it. Mm-hmm. I want to. I yeah. want to ask, but I don't want to infer. But is it a? Is it a? Is it a feeling of being let down? Is it shock? Like how does it? Like do you know what I mean? Like what's the core value when when something this unexpected happens? I think there's something different when you know right from birth that your child is disabled and that their life is going to look very different from your life. Uh, And so I really had to work through that and what it meant to me and then what it meant to her experience in the world. Mm -hmm. And it took a while, but what I came to is that it's okay to have different experiences in the world and that just because her experience will be different than mine, it doesn't make it less valid and it doesn't make it uh, something sad or a tragedy. She can have value and worth and that her value and worth doesn't come from her intelligence or her lack of disability. Right. Or the way you expect life to go or your your expectation of it. So what is that experience? I'd like to break it down a little bit. Like what does that experience look like as an infant? How does it, how does it differ from what you saw with your twins? Right. Uh, so everything was just slower. So it's a slower pace of meeting milestones. Um, she had difficulty with feeding right, right from the beginning. Um, it took her longer to, you know, sit up, um, to crawl, to walk, but, you know, she was my first. And so I just wanted her to, to get, to reach those milestones and to, you know, to, beat the ideas of what it means to have Down syndrome and that you're always going to be developmentally delayed. Uh, And then when I had the twins and everything was so fast with them, I really could look back and, um, and feel happy for the slowness of the pace of what happened with her. Um, That, you know, it was okay for children to take their time. Like when you look back on your child's, um, your child's growing up, like that period of baby and toddlerhood is so fast now that they're eight years old. And, you know, it's like the majority of their life is going to be as adults and as these, you know, amazing little independent beings. And so to have like a really slow period at the beginning, I think um, is okay. Did it feel a little like you got to enjoy it more? I did, except yes, no. So I, looking back, I enjoy looking back on it, but during the time of it, I was still going through that intense period of adjustment so that I probably didn't enjoy it as much as I could have had I had a little bit more perspective. Yeah, I would imagine. I, um, I don't think this is obviously an apples to apples comparison, but I find myself, um, I get, I get upset with myself if I'm in a, in a regular interaction with my family and I don't look them in the face. Like, you know, when you're doing something else and talking to somebody I find in hindsight, I look back and I think, you know, that he's not going to live here one day. And I, and I had that conversation with him. I wasn't looking at him. It makes me, um, I don't know. It makes me, I try, I guess that's what people talk about being present maybe, but I just try to, uh, to remember that, like we can stop and do this thing right now. Like, you know, 
the other day I had some work to do. It was for you guys. And uh, I realized my son was downstairs watching a baseball game. And I just, I just stopped what I was doing and went downstairs and watched the game with him. And we talked and watched the game and stuff. And, and I just thought like, I don't know, like this moment only it's only here one time, you know? So that's what I meant by like, enjoy it. Um, You know? Yeah. Uh, It's time you don't get back. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I don't know. You don't realize it till, until you get older and they get older usually. So, okay. So, so that's her, like in that kind of infant experience is that everything developmentally happens a little slower, but what happens when you get to the next leap when you're four (laughs) years old and you're expecting you know, like uh, most kids are getting ready to go to school and things like that. Is that thing happening for P as well? Or, or you have. Yeah. Yeah. So we have uh, early intervention preschools here and she did two years of an early intervention preschool. uh, So half days. And then during that time, her sisters were born Uh, and then uh, half day kindergarten and then regular school. And so we have, a really, really wonderful school board that my daughter goes to, uh, and it's fully inclusive. And so when you have fully inclusive school boards, it means that they have more money to spend on EAs to help kids in their regular classroom. Mm -hmm. And so that may not work for some families. It really works well for ours. Uh, And uh, P has always had an EA with her in the classroom. So from kindergarten up to grade seven now, she has an EA in, in the school. Uh, or one of a couple different EAs during the day uh, to help her out. Education ex- assistant? Education assistant, okay, yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I was guessing, but I wanted to be sure. That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, and that person helps her with adapted curriculum. Uh, they can help her with daily living tasks. So um, taking her to the bathroom and back, um, helping her open her lunch kit and whatnot. She can do that by, by herself now, but uh, her fine motor skills are quite delayed. And so even being able to open her lunch kit or the packages by herself, um, she would need help potentially. And so that person would do that for her. Uh, and then, help her with her adapted schoolwork as well her i'm sorry last part adapted schoolwork okay so her schoolwork looks a little bit different than her peers that she's working a couple years behind them um but she which is fine uh she's working at her level and then she still gets uh, exposure to the other ideas and the discussions that are happening in the classroom Mm -hmm. which i think is to her benefit whether she can express you know her understanding of those ideas or not right so when does speaking come into play she starts around between two and three really talking and before that we did a lot of signing with her and so she learned you know she had well over 100 signs that she knew and that we did with her uh, and that she brought with her to preschool and so the signing was really a bridge to her talking uh, and then really helped with the articulation or understanding because her articulation is quite impacted uh, in her speech. So, um, you know, she could say more um, or help please. And from time to time, I still add in signs now and she will still sign like, sorry on her chest. If she's sorry for something, she has a hard time saying it out loud. Um, But it was really quite a a nice bridge for all of us. Okay. Um, All right. So your expectations are, you're trying to get her to what, like, I mean, if I, if I send my son off to high school, my expectation is he's going to learn a bunch of stuff and 
either go to college or trade school or something like that. And then he's going to leave here and uh, yeah. ruin some other girl's life the way I ruined his mother's. <laughs> like, you know, like that whole thing's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So, um, but what, what, what are your expectations for Pave and your goals? Just to gain as much independence as possible. So to be able to, you know, bring up her reading level, she's, she can read around a grade two, three level right now, um, which actually isn't terrible. Uh, so if we could bring that up to maybe grade four uh, or five before she leaves school, that would be amazing. I mean, that's the reading level of, you know, the lower, um, like the sun kind of say, uh, newspaper, if anyone reads newspapers anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so to bring up her reading level, to be able to do, you know, a little bit of math um, and to bring up her independence level so that she can reach as much independence as she can um, as as a young adult. Okay. And, you know, part of that independence is her diabetes management. And so we do have her involved in her diabetes management. So she has her own phone. She can look at her number on the phone and she can tell us if it's a good or bad number. So she knows that, you know, above eight is a bad number. And then um, below, you know, 3.9 is a bad number as well. And the rest of them are good numbers. Yep. And definitely those colors on the Dexcom app help, right? Well, I have an idea for you, um, actually, but I wanna, I, I'm going to tell you in a second, but I want you to uh, tell me, are you thumping your foot or tapping while you're thinking, or is that coming from somewhere else in the house? Because I think you're making points and tapping something. So, oh, I was tapping my hand. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. I have to stop Jenny from doing it too, by the way. Okay. She, she gets emphatic and I'm like, stop striking the desk. We're recording this. You've been doing this for years. So um, what I was going to tell you is that just over the weekend, when you have diabetes and use insulin, low blood sugar can happen when you don't expect it. Gvoke Hypopen is a ready to use glucagon option that can treat very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages two and above. Find out more. Go to gvoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with theochromocytoma or insulinoma. Visit gvoglucagon.com slash risk. Are you looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series, the Bold Beginning series, Ask Scott and Jenny, Algorithm Pumping, Mental Wellness, Defining Thyroid, Defining Diabetes, all of the series within the Juice Box podcast? Well, if you're looking for them, I can tell you where to find them. If you're in the private Facebook group, they're all listed in the featured tab of the group. Or you can go to juiceboxpodcast.com and go up to the menu at the top and you will find links to all of them. You'll get lists of the episodes that include the episode number. Then you just have to go back into your player, find your episode, and you're on your way. You can also listen at juiceboxpodcast.com if you don't want to be bothered with all that player stuff. Though, honestly, that is the best way to listen to a podcast. That's pretty much it, everybody. I appreciate you listening. I'm going to get you right back to Joanna. A lot of podcasts left for you today. I hope you're enjoying it. I'll see you soon. Just over the weekend... I had an interaction with a gentleman, I think his name is Kevin, and he invented something called Glucose. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jenny told me about it. Jenny's like, hey, I got a Glucose. Have you ever tried this? And I was like, Jenny, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, well, I heard about it in your group. And I was like, oh, hold on a second. I do know what you're talking about. So it's this little kind of light that's a 
I'm holding my hands up. Like maybe it's a softball size I'm imagining. And and it through your Dexcom, I'm assuming she has Dexcom. He has Dexcom. She right? does. Right. Yeah. So through your Dexcom credentials, you log into it, it goes on Wi-Fi and you assign colors to number ranges. Mm-hmm. And it just changes slowly um, as you and I was thinking maybe that would be that might be great for her, actually. Yeah. You know, yeah, it definitely could be. Yeah, it just as you were describing, like we, because you've taught her like a, you're de- you're basically teaching her ranges by showing her like here, come to me. I'm assuming if this number is in this space, is that how you've set it up with her? Um, just more. We have her check regularly and then tell us what the number is and tell if it's good or bad. Okay. And so if it is, I mean, we know when it's bad because the alarm goes off sure. and she knows what the alarm means. But you're also trying to teach her for, I mean, yeah. I, I, Joanna, I hate to say this, but like, is everything in your life the focus of when I die? Cause that's how it would feel to me. Like, how is this going to work when I'm not here anymore? Would be every one of my concerns. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, that's not the focus of my life. Okay. (laughs) I might've overstated that, but you know what I mean? Like it's gotta be in the back of your head on some things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know, I can't tell the future, uh, but people with Down syndrome tend to not live as long as, you know, the typical population. And so, you know, my hope is, is that she has a really happy life until it ends and that I'm still here. (laughs) Um, And, you know, if not, her sisters will be here. Uh, And we live in a place where she would receive funding for like a staff member to live with her uh, or she could live in a group setting with staff. So I know that she will be taken care of once Mm -hmm. we're gone. It's just how that looks that we don't know. So I'm looking here is the, is the, is the average age for a person with down 47 is that right yeah yeah that sounds, sounds right what what is the um what's the uh physical thing that causes that do you know well so it's hard to say because really it's only people at Johnson have only been treated well for the last 30 or 40 years and so you know oftentimes before that families were told to put their children in institutions where they were mistreated terribly uh, or their medical concerns were not treated ethically um, or the way that you would treat a typical person. And so even oh, in okay. 1980, there was a case um, where a baby was denied, a newborn was denied medical treatment on the recommendation of the doctor. And the parents took that recommendation. Uh, it went, I think, to the Supreme Court and they allowed the baby to die. Okay. Uh, so in today's day, that would never happen. Um, but there was a lot of medical ableism uh, against children with Down syndrome okay. and people with Down syndrome. So they your- wouldn't treat the hypothyroidism. They wouldn't treat uh, birth defects like the heart conditions. Right. Um, and then they were allowed to die. Or, or even like you're describing, like, like not a not a natural desire to eat, like those those physical functions, like sucking and like that stuff too. Oh, that's crazy. Hey, sit on your hands for me. Pick up your pick up your thighs and stick your hands underneath them. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it's okay, tap on your thigh while we're doing it. It's fine. <laughs> you know, you just used a word that I'm a little aware of. Um, medical albism, ableism. Oh, ableism. Ableism. Sorry, I yeah. see that word, and I every time I see it, I'm like, I look it up, and uh, and I'm trying to make sure I remember. But discrimination in favor of able-bodied people. 
That's right. How, non, how, or non-disabled people. What is yeah. that? Well, okay. Um, what does that look like in like real world, like function? Like how could I, how could that happen? Uh, so a friend of mine went to the doctor cause her daughter's, her daughter's down, down syndrome, her eye was turning in. Um, and so when regular kids uh, have their eye turn in, they see an ophthalmologist, uh, they get treatment for it. You can have surgery for it. And the first doctor that they went to said, well, we don't even know she's using that eye to, to see because she has Down syndrome. <laughs> oh, you probably what? don't need your eye. Forget it. Oh, right. I, oh, I, oh, oh, I get it. Okay. Right. All right. All right. So how does no, that, a- I'm sorry. How does that look in, in the zeitgeist in, in, in when people do something that's not so um, material to you, like a doctor who can actually say, no, I'm not going to give you care because you have Down syndrome and eh, you're probably not using your eye. Like, how does that work with just, do you know what I'm saying? Like, where does that term, I'm not asking this question right. Hold on a second. I, I didn't sleep much last night. I have a, okay. I have a daughter with diabetes, Joanne. <laughs> so um, give me a second. Um, How could I do something insensitive as a person who doesn't have actual agency over your daughter? Like, what would that look like? Do you know what I mean? Like, what do people do around you that falls into that category? Is it, is that possible? Um, no, but like for, for me personally, I, well, I would always, I would always challenge someone who chose, you know, who said I wasn't, I'm not going to treat them because of Down syndrome mm-hmm. or I'm only going to look at this because yeah, I, I don't see that happening around me personally. Okay. So the, I, yeah. I, I'm now remembering the context. I saw somebody talking about, um, they had a spouse who was having uh border, like they, I think they thought of maybe they had borderline personality disorder and they started talking about the spouse's, uh, I don't know, overall behavior and set and attaching it to the idea of the, of the borderline personality disorder. And a third person came into the conversation and said, be careful not to be, um, and they use this word, which why can I not pronounce it? Say it again for me. Medical ableism? No, no. Why can't I say A-B-L-E-I-S? What is that? That's ableism. Ableism. Why am I not saying? Oh, it's the way it's split up in front of me. Okay. So somebody came in and said, hey, make sure not to be like, you know, ableist. Ableist. Um, because, and then I couldn't figure out what they were saying. And so I guess what they were saying was don't just blindly attribute the behavior to the disorder. Is that to what the they, disability. You think that's uh, what they maybe. were saying? I, I, as I take you way down the a path that has nothing to do with your story, but I just, you, you caught me thinking about it and you caught me on four hours sleep. So, um, okay. so I might, I might have ADHD at this point in the morning. <laughs> the two of us together are going to be terrific. Um, okay. All right. Well, so let, a, like ahead. a parallel example would be, you know, going in and, and saying, you know, sorry, P is doing this behavior and someone says, oh, that's just down syndrome or, you know, has a symptom, oh, it's just Down syndrome, without really looking into it, mm-hmm. that's ableist. Okay. Yeah. Just disregarding other op- options because you have this thing and just saying, oh, it's definitely that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I hope everyone listening appreciated it, but I appreciate it. I, I, I'm always mm-hmm. like, why are, like, where I never quite understand when that you that word's being used in um, 
and now I do. So great. Okay. So, and I caught you saying our names and I already wrote it down. So I'll take it out for you. Thank later, you. So don't worry. Um, okay. So you wanted to be, I wanted to go back to something. I have one last thought, right? You, you mentioned that she can even have trouble opening her lunch kit or opening her food. Is that still at 12 years old an issue? Uh, not so much. So she has developed, um, some skills around that. So she's a highly picky eater. Um, I call her a restrict, highly restrictive eater. There's only about four or five foods that she'll actually eat. And one of those is goldfish crackers. So we get the small, the individual packs uh, of them because we can, you know, how many carbs are in them. Mm -hmm. And she can't open them by herself with her fingers, but she can get a pair of scissors and cut open the top and dump them into a bowl. So she has learned some coping skills around that uh, about how to do things or how to get things done that work around her, you know, her poor fine muscle control. What are the other foods that she'll eat? Uh, right now, uh, hot dogs, uh, cooked carrots, goldfish, and ice cream sandwiches. How do Those you, how do you get nutrition to her then? Does she, can she take um, like uh, supplements or what do you do? I'd like if she would take a supplement. There are no children's vitamins that she will agree to eat. So she won't eat gummies and then she won't eat any of the fruity chewables because uh, she doesn't like the taste of candy. Okay. So um, she, we have had like a, vi- it's, sorry, my hands again. Uh, I mean, you've been doing it the whole a- time, Joanna, just so you know. <laughs> like, even, when, <laughs> even when you thought you weren't doing it, you were doing it. I, I, assume, I assume by now we're all, uh, we're all on board with what's happening. So I can feel, okay. I can feel your ang- your ang- You do a great job. Like, just so you know, um, at the moment I can see Joanna, but she can't see me. And she just, she's answering her questions so thoroughly, but she sort of disappears a little bit into the back of her head while she's answering them. Like your head goes back totally. a little, you're looking up a little and you're just, yeah. and you're doing a terrific job, by the way. Thank if you. I, if I gotta, if I gotta live with you tapping on something, don't worry, I, I, I will. Um, and I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. Although, Thank so you. so far, you don't appear to be aware of it, so I don't think you're uncomfortable. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but but don't no. don't think about it twice, please. Except sit on your hands. And don't do it again. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you. Okay, so so okay. um so there are uh, only a few few foods that you'll eat, and so textures are a problem, tastes are a problem, and it's not possible to um, negotiate with her. No, uh, we just, we just cannot get her to eat foods that she will not eat. Mm -hmm. It just, she just will not do it. Uh, and if we get into any of those really negative battles where we're trying to force her to eat, it really just makes her mistrust of us and of food worse. And so we don't do it. We don't get into, excuse me, (coughs) battles about food. Okay. Is it, um, Sorry, I got a cough again. No, you do your thing. <clears throat> Let me ask you while you're taking care of that. Is have have there been foods that she would eat that she'll no longer eat? There have been. Uh, so we've had a it's been a really difficult year this year. Uh so she was she had, was diagnosed with diabetes. Three months later, um, she got COVID, she became dehydrated, she had a stroke. Mm-hmm. Um, and after her stroke, her um, her eating and her drinking was impacted. And so she was fully tube fed for uh, quite a while while we worked on getting her eating and drinking skills back. And during that time, her food restrictions became worse. 
Um, so she used to eat a variety of different proteins before. So she'd eat any different kind of protein. She'd eat um, like pasta with meat sauce and we could chop up sort of small vegetables in there. And now she won't eat many of those things since that time. And so it really has uh, impacted her in her picky eating with the stroke and then having to go to the feeding tube. Um, so she still has an NG tube. So she's a tube that goes through her nose. And then we will be um, moving to a G tube. So that's a tube that is on her belly that connects right to her stomach. It's more of a permanent um route that we're going to have to take. Right. And so we have to do that for two reasons. So one is because her picky eating is so much that she does not take in enough nutrients to sustain herself. So previously she was, she always took in enough nutrients and enough calories to, um, for her to learn and grow. And we had seen an eating clinic uh, previously and they said, really, we just recommend that she get a multivitamin if you can get one in her. Um, but they didn't, recommend supplement uh, or supplementing up until we had the stroke and we had to. Uh, and then the second reason we need the feeding tube is because we, uh, we need to manage her fluid levels. And so they said that the dehydration is really what caused her stroke mm -hmm. and she's not taking in enough liquid now by mouth to manage her fluid levels. So we have to keep the tube in. Did the stroke have any long-term effects? Uh, just with eating and drinking. Okay. So those are the, the big ones. It was a right-sided stroke. Uh, and she did regain all of the her muscle control and function from the stroke eventually. So it came back within about three months. Okay. Uh, it was pretty much back to normal, uh, except for the eating and drinking. How do you... So what I'm hearing is that she has a choice and she doesn't like the choice. It's a no. But now, but now we're talking about things that I assume she wouldn't agree to, like a feeding tube or something like that. So how, how is it, how do you get to those things? It's really hard. Um, and so we, throughout, you know, the whole experience, we perpetrate uh, medical trauma on her. Uh, and so it started with the diabetes. So with the second day, we had to hold her down to do finger pokes. Uh, and even to this day, she doesn't allow us to do finger pokes. We do toe pokes. Uh, it's the only thing that she'll allow us to do. And even then, it's still upsetting for her. Um, so we did get on the CGM within three days uh, of her being diagnosed with diabetes. They got us on a CGM right away uh, so that we didn't have to poke her as much. But we were put on a Libra 2, and with a Libra 2, you're still supposed to poke to confirm lows. Uh, and so we were poking her multiple times a day, depending on what the sensor was doing, mm -hmm. which was terrible. Like, it was really, it was not good. Um, and it was causing her quite a bit of distress, which is why we did eventually move to the Dexcom, which has significantly reduced the amount of pokes that we have to do for her. Yeah. Well, uh, even the and then, Even the, putting the CGM on her, like... She's not bad with a CGM. She's okay with that. It's just one poke, uh, and then it's done. But it's not. Then, uh, it's not like a. It's not a thing where you say to her, "Hey, you know where we're poking your toes, and you hate that. If we use this, less toes. Like, do you? Can you go yeah. through that? You do. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. This is so we don't have to poke you as much. And she. So and she's good. That, she'll be like, "All right." Yeah. Yeah. So okay. she's good with the CGM. Um, she finds we are in a pump now, and so we did jumped through hoops 
to get the pump early. So we had the pump within three months of diagnosis, which is very unusual in our province. Mm-hmm. They ask you to wait a year, but I was really gung-ho at the, our first endo appointment. So what do I have to do to get to, you know, to get the pump? I did all of the pre-work that you had to do. I watched the, you know, the video that I needed to watch. And then while we were hospitalized for the stroke, they agreed to put us on the pump while we were there. Yeah, John, I don't know anybody who would have the heart to tell you no to something you said that would help your life be easier or your daughter's life be easier. I'd be like, right. let, let that lady have what she wants. And right. uh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So they really worked with me. I was, I was really happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but Still, she doesn't like the poke from the pump uh, and she gets, she finds it really upsetting. Last week we were going through a pump change. I'd taken it off and we were just getting ready to put it on. And she said to me, you say sorry for the poke, mom. You say sorry for the poke. And she said it over and over and maybe apologized to her over and over. And I did obviously, because I don't like having to do things to my child that she is not okay with and that hurt her body. Um, but we have to, right. right. Um, so I have to, you know, create medical trauma for her. She has to live through medical trauma because this is the only way that we can manage her diabetes. Well, I, you know, I have to say, I, I, I've been through that. I think a lot of people have been through that, but the difference for us is that it was going to stop at some point that my daughter was going to understand or, you know, create an understanding for herself. And I mean, you know, I think we've all chased our kids with a needle in our hand, but, you know, with the idea that one day, this would become normal and we won't do this anymore. You're stuck in a, you know, I, I mean, for now. yeah, for right. now. Do you and think, it do you may think change. she makes her, so what do you do? Like, I'm assuming you go to her care team and the people that help her and say, look, here's one of her struggles. How do we get past this? Is it something they work on or it just, you just kind of hope. No, and it's not anything I brought to her care team uh, either. It's just something that we work through at home with her. Uh, and that it just takes longer for her to process and for her to develop understandings about things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even the other day, um, it seems off topic, but it's not. Uh, she said to me, you know, I really miss my, I miss grandma and I want her back. And grandma died five years ago. Uh, and this was, you know, seven when grandma died. Uh, but it's still, you know, comes up for her. That is something that she's processing five years later. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, I'm still processing five years later, too. But that, you know, this understanding of grief and loss takes longer to work through. Yeah. And I think that there is grief and loss uh, with diabetes in terms of, you know, your understanding of what life was like before, and what life is like now with mm-hmm. diabetes. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's powerful actually that that came up for her like that mm-hmm. um wow okay are are uh, i i i mean it's been 45 minutes and i i stop myself every 35 seconds from asking you if you're okay you know i'm fine okay <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> i assume you are you wouldn't be talking about it but it's still i'm like are you okay are you okay because i mean yeah. You live in a frozen hellscape in Canada. I don't know exactly where I'm, you know, like, you know, whatever. But <laughs> so do, do you-, you say that, but <laughs> we have had the nicest um, fall that in, you know, in like living memory. Um, it is, you know, 21, 22 degrees every day for the last six weeks uh, since summer ended, which I don't know what's the conversion for that. Um, 40, like 70 something. Okay. All right. Well, um, don't ruin my, my, my. <laughs> 
<laughs> ruin my misunderstanding of Canada, please. I just wanted to say, do you run out in the snow often and scream into a pile of it? Like, how do you, like, like when you, when you have that thing where, you know, you feel like you're not just feel like, but you are clearly creating medical trauma out of need. Like, I mean, do you not like, you don't look like you're drunk while I'm talking to you. I don't see any, I don't see any heroin needles behind you. I don't know why, but um, like, what do you, what do you do for yourself in that situation? Or do you not stop to think about that? I try not to stop to think about it. Like I just have to, the only way past is through. Okay. I understand. Um, I guess it makes the eight-year-old's ADHD seem like nothing, huh? No. No, not even? It doesn't. No. (laughs) Go ahead. So so then you, so then that I'm kind of trying to lead to a question. When you have a child who has this much need, and and I want to understand, like, in a 24-hour period, how much time do you think you give to pee? Um, How do you get to something else when other people have needs as well? Yeah. There's lots of downtime in between when we're doing diabetes tests and not. And so there is lots of time to spend with the other two. Uh, We have a really nice bedtime routine that I spend time cuddling with uh, the twins right before bed. So we do, um, they each get 15 minutes uh, and then we switch. Uh, Then iPads are off or lights are off. And then Chris gets, sorry, P gets cuddled to sleep. uh, And the other two go to sleep by themselves because she doesn't, P doesn't get cuddle time. Uh, before lights are off. So it's just a nice balance. We do, I will spend one-on-one time with with each of the twins. I'll take them out on an errand or we'll do mommy-daughter dates. Uh, And I tend to do those with the twins and not with P Mm -hmm. uh, because P does get a lot of our time and attention. Okay. Is that why, so does P not get cuddle time because she doesn't do well with it or because you want the other kids to see that she doesn't get everything? I'm trying to figure out. It's both that she doesn't get, she she doesn't get everything. And she mostly likes just to be cuddled to sleep. She doesn't care if she gets the cuddle time before. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's just meeting each kid's needs in a way that works for them. Mm -hmm. I would take a cuddle, by the way, if you were around. (laughs) (laughs) Seemed like a very empathetic lady. I think it would be nice. Speaking of, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, my wife uh, got sick on a business trip. I might be in the in the market for a, a wage earner around my age anytime <laughs> now because she's coughing and holding her chest, and I'm like, uh oh, this is it. I told the kids already. I was like, you know, do you want me to try a blonde next time, or like, you know, <laughs> what do you want to do? Um, but my daughter, of course, if you've heard her on the podcast, doesn't trust angular jawed blonde women. <laughs> I don't know if you heard her say that, but she's like blonde ladies with real angular faces. I don't trust them. I was like, what? I missed that part, but I did listen to both of her episodes. I really enjoyed them. Oh, maybe this is something she's only shared with me that I'm assuming she said on the podcast. Uh, Anyway, she, um, I'm glad you enjoyed them. I, uh, wow. Uh, My next question was about your husband. Um, Mm -hmm. He's a saint or he's chained to something. What's going on? he's neither (laughs) so he's involved in in uh almost as much of the the diabetes and feeding tasks as i am uh he as i'd say his management of of her diabetes is equally as good as mine uh and it took him a little while to get around to we really need to keep her blood sugars quite low 
and he's there now. And so he does a really good job of managing them in my absence or when it's sort of his turn to do it. Yeah. So we, um, we have some really great A- A1Cs. So our A1C at diagnosis was 13.8. Uh, two months later was 8.0 and five months later is 5.1. Look at you. Well, that's so, amazing. It well, was amazing. Yeah. yeah. So one of the benefits of her being a picky eater uh, is that you really get to know the foods that she eats. Yeah. And I really know how to dose for the foods that she eats. So we do a really good job of keeping her blood sugars in range. And when they're not in range, it means that she's gotten up earlier than I have and she started eating. Um, or that her pump's gone and that we need to replace the pump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so either of those two things. You're not, she doesn't eat anything with any fat in it or protein that would drive up blood sugars later. She does. Oh, does yeah. She? So the hot dogs and the ice cream sandwiches, oh, they okay. typically cause um, a spike later on. Uh, and then that's mostly at night. And so we really see between sort of nine and midnight, her blood sugar spikes. So I'm, I'm really trying to work with her um, basal rate at that time. So I've just um, increased it the other night and then it went up a little bit last night. So I corrected and I might try and increase tonight. It's hard though, because sometimes she doesn't get the the rise and then that basal rate is too high. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so oftentimes we just correct, I understand. but we're, I'm quite on it with the correcting. So you know, we'll start at like seven correcting earlier. I was just teasing you cause I assumed he would run away, but he sounds like a good guy. So no, he's a really good guy. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, uh, he adjusted much better than I did with her down syndrome diagnosis. And he was really a rock at that time. Uh, and his perspective was always like, she's fine. She's perfect. Um, it'll be fine. Yeah. Like that was, you know, I, and I just assumed that every time you left to go to the store or something, I'd think, oh, that's it. She's not coming back. <laughs> every time I said goodbye to you, it would be like the last time I said, goodbye, John, I love you. <laughs> it's been great. I know you're not coming no. back. <laughs> There's something about being a mama bear. Or you just, I'll let you do that, right? Yeah, you just do it. Yeah, that's something. It really is cool. Yeah. So the diabetes stuff. I, you know, I, I'm learning that when people say they're on a pump and don't say it's an Omnipod, they're trying to save my feelings somehow, which is not necessary. But what, what no, pump is she using? No, uh, it is an Omnipod. Oh. So she's on an Aris. Um, and one of the things I, I dislike about it is that it's because it's the like that first iteration um, where you have to use the buttons all the time and it's not a touchscreen. Okay. And so I really feel like if we're going to move down the path of of her creating, learning more independence with her diabetes, she has to be able to use the pump by herself and she can't with the Oh, because arrows you're because, using the old PDM still. Uh, that's the only one that's funded with my provincial pump program right now. Oh, that's why. Oh, and so it would be far too expensive to do it on our own. So I blame Canada. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Blame I, Canada. Absolutely. Well, and is that not a song in um, South Park, Blame Canada? It sure is. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Sure is. I just thought I I didn't make those words up. I've heard those before. So, um, yeah. So I blame Canada. So you would prefer to be on the dash or the five? Probably the dash. Um, I you know I don't know about the five with the um that target blood blood sugar being sort of higher. I mean, what's amazing is that you know our um our ability to manage her insulin. Uh, and her A1C is, you know, at the level of the OP5 or exceeds it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. And I had considered looping. Um, I'm not quite there yet with, you know, building the app myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we do have a Mac that I could build it on. And I'm just 
Uh, anyway, I'm I'm still just mulling it over yeah. uh, to see if that will work for us. I'm, it will work for us in terms of getting her overnight level really dialed in. But um, there's a lot of work on my part to get it up and running. That's, and that's just, exactly what I was hearing. I was like, when are you yeah. going to do that exactly? You know right. I mean? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And learn a new system and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I do think, you know, something to that I would like to look at is, is the, you know, the new, um, even the, you know, the Dexcom or the OP5, how user-friendly is it for people with disabilities? Like how user-friendly would it be for someone who doesn't have fine, great fine motor control? Um, is there a way that it could be adapted so that to make the screens really simple or make the app really simple for someone with intellectual disability so mm-hmm. that they could, you know, just, you know, put in their carbs and, you know, press go I and be able me. to do their own insulin. Well, I have to tell you, I don't think the loop app would be friendly for her. No. Yeah, that would be, cause there's a lot of like fine, there's a lot of fine touching, even like changing, like as I'm thinking about it, like if you put in a, a bolus for a meal and decide later, oh, I wish that, I wish I would have told it it was 35 carbs, not 30 carbs. Just touching that, like there's double tapping involved and to highlight things and yeah, that would be, that might be difficult. Honestly. Yeah. Oh, so but I wonder if, another, if that, go ahead. Sorry. You no, know, no, you, you need somebody to design a simpler screening system for it. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I think that would be a great way. I would, a great sort of side project for someone to take on. Yeah. Even for older we, people, it would be valuable there too. Yeah. Yeah. Can we do it in an adapted app for right. people with disabilities? That's, by the way, I had to uh, close the, the browser in front of me because now I look at the word ableism and I think, how the hell were you mispronouncing that? You idiot. <laughs> it's all I, so kept, I just kept looking at it thinking like, how did you, what were you doing? <laughs> like, my goodness. Um, all right. You're, you're, you said you take medication for depression and anxiety. Yep. Okay. And that's working for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you're in a weird situation where you don't have the you don't have the benefit of being able to, like, fall apart. And yet you're you have a thing that if you were to have a a crisis, it's not like something you could just like willfully stop. So has that happened? Have I had periods of time that I have been unable to cope? Yes, uh, for sure. I have. And, you know, I'm in a really fortunate position that I have, you know, quite a bit of sick leave that I could take from work, Mm -hmm. uh, which I have done in the past. And, you know, all I really need is a doctor's note to do that. And then it kicks in, I still get paid. And then I go back when I'm feeling better after I work with my doctor. And so that's been really helpful. The fact that I've had that as, you know, as something I can do where I can really focus on my family. So when uh, P was uh, had her stroke. I, I took a month off uh, and then went back after that. And everyone was really understanding. So I work in the education system and really there's a, you know, a belief that you really do need to focus on your family first mm-hmm. uh, because that is what's important and that the work will be there when you get back. And it was. Did your husband kind of like step it up then at that point? Do more? A little bit. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. But he has a job I imagine too, right? So he does. Yeah. So we work opposite schedules. So uh, I work during the day. I get home. He goes to work and works in the evening. Okay. 
So we have some crossover on the weekend, but we do, we're, in some ways, it's like passing ships in the night. Is that something you set up because of P situation? Not, no, not necessarily no. for P, but for the twins as well. And not, um, need, not wanting to pay for childcare because there's two of them. So it's more expensive. Yeah. Uh, and so we, the P, the twins have never been in childcare. They've never had before and after care. We have had a long-term aide that works with their family. Who's been incredible. She started with us when the twins were like three, four months old. And she's been with us ever since and they're eight now. Mm -hmm. So we do have in-home support and it's for everybody. It's not just for P. Uh, She spends a lot of time with the twins um, working with them as well. You know, you've highlighted something today that I want to like just shine a light on for a little longer. I was interviewing somebody recently who was having a lot of anxiety around keeping their kid's blood sugar kind of perfect. And I said, well, I mean, that's, not what we do. And I, and I started talking about Arden going to college and the food changing and how that's impacted her blood sugars. And she's like, well, you're okay with her blood sugar being, you know, when she just said a number and I was like, I mean, I'm not okay with it, but that's the situation. And, and the sooner you, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's an expectation of perfection that we have, or if that's just people's goal for everything to be beautiful and easy and well-funded and, you know, everything, right? There should be birds singing and music playing wherever I walk. And once you can let go of that and not do what you were talking about earlier, like not judge a person against another person or a person against a situation, excuse me, everything just gets so much better. And, and, And I think what she was saying to me was, but a higher blood sugar could cause problems. And I said, well, yeah, that's that's true, but you have diabetes. Like you didn't get the same you didn't get the same role that other people get. You, you know what I mean? And and also, not for nothing, but how many things in life are damaging you, hurting you, or setting you up for some sort of a problem in the future that you're unaware of yeah. that you ignore too, or that you're aware of and you ignore one or the other. So I don't know that a 140 blood sugar after a meal is um, any different than somebody I see walking. I'm thinking of a person I know right now must drink six Coca-Colas a day, but, but, you know, but doesn't have, doesn't have diabetes. So they don't think anything of it. And I don't know that there's a difference if that makes sense. You know what I mean? And, and you've been able to, and I know you said it very simply, like, well, this is what had to happen, right? Like I had to see the world this way, which I think you're right. I think that is what you had to do, but it doesn't mean you were going to be able to do it. Right. You know, and that's really yes. cool. It's cool that you did that. Yeah. It was a lot of work to get there. Yeah. Oh, I like would imagine because, because I don't know how you don't say why me or why her or why us, you know? And I did. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I did. Um, but I did get to the point where it didn't matter why? Because, well, what I came to is that these things happen in nature. Like that's just what happens is that sometimes, you know, you get extra chromosomes. Sometimes genetic things happen. Like these things happen and it happened to me in my body and it happened to her. Yeah. No. Just like the diabetes did. Right. And, but I did with all the work that I did because of her down syndrome, when the diabetes came, it wasn't that hard for me to accept. It was harder for my husband to accept, yeah. but for me, it's like, okay, 
<laughs> I've been down this road before. Like I, you know, I can't bang my head against the wall because it won't change anything. She has diabetes. Let's just go with it. Right. Um, I, I ask this question a lot in these scenarios and I'm frequently surprised by the answer. So um, I'm going to ask it here. Uh, magic wand, something can go away. What do you pick? Down syndrome. Yeah, it seems. Yeah, that, that, that's what I because thought. Because it cr- because it created all the other things, right? Mm-hmm. So it created the alopecia, it created the hypothyroidism, it created the diabetes, um, it created her brain condition that caused the stroke. Uh, so for sure, I would take away the Down syndrome. Yeah. yeah, it's the founder of the feast in this situation in in not yeah. in not a positive way. I mean, I thought yeah. obvious. Like I said, seems obvious. But the amount of people I've asked questions to where I thought the answers to those questions were obvious, they say something different. Like sometimes people say neither, which I'm like fascinated by. I'm like, you can't even in a in a make pretend way pick one. And they're like, no. Nah. I was like, oh, okay. Where they pick, you know, keeping diabetes over something you would think um, you wouldn't choose, vice versa. So it's interesting to, to ask the question. Um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that I should have or anything that we've missed? Uh, no, I think we covered everything. It was pretty good. Are you saying I did a good job? Is that what you're saying? I am saying you did a good job. Because <laughs> <laughs> I already earlier said you did a good job and you did not reciprocate. So I wasn't sure. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you. I God, my God, I don't mean that. How many people do you think heard that are like, oh, so insecure? <laughs> really was just joking. Um, okay, so... <sighs> How much pressure do you feel in this conversation right now not to misrepresent Down syndrome for the people who might hear it or for who or for the people who are going to be learning about it? Does that feel like a responsibility or have you not thought about that? It feels like a background responsibility. It's a responsibility I always have when I'm talking about my daughter. And really, I'm talking about one person with Down syndrome and her experience of what Down syndrome is like and our experience of what Down syndrome is like. And she's an amazing child. Mm -hmm. She's the easiest of all my children. Um, She's very easygoing. She's, you know, happy and she just loves being with her mom and dad and her sisters. Um, Like She's really a great part of our family. And so I think it's easy to to represent her positively because our experience of her is very positive. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the other conditions up until diabetes and then the stroke have been very manageable and haven't really impacted her life so much. I mean, for sure the alopecia does because she doesn't have hair and she would really like hair. Uh, and it's one of the first things that you notice about her when you see her. So whether it's the Down syndrome or the alopecia first, it's sort of a, you know, up in the air, which one it is. Right. Um, and so that's been quite impactful, but in terms of, you know, her day-to-day health, it's been super good. She's never been hospitalized until this year with the diabetes. Uh, and she's such a great part of our family. Yeah. That's cool. I see. It's funny because when, when I looked at the list, I thought, well, alopecia, that sucks, but great opportunity to wear a bunch of hats, but she can't, that's not the process her mind goes through, right? She doesn't like, yeah, it's just this thing's gone now and it's either a problem for her or it's not. And it ended up being a problem for her. I see. I understand. Uh, I have to tell you, having more kids, ballsy as hell. You're a, (laughs) 
You're either the <laughs> bravest lady I know or or you were high as a kite. I don't know which it was exactly, but I, I don't know how you made I couldn't we couldn't even make the decision to have a third kid after the diabetes. Like yeah. I like that's really that's really something. Um I didn't want P to be alone in the world after oh. Mike and I were gone. Okay. So I really felt like it was important to have siblings. Um, I felt like having my twin um, and growing up with siblings was a really wonderful part of my life. And I'm still very close to my twin. Uh, and I wanted that for her. Yeah. And, and the twins are amazing. Like, but definitely, um, you know, a very different experience than having P just twins in general. Does your twin have any of the medical issues that you have? Uh, no, no, no. And her kids don't have Down syndrome. They're, you know, totally healthy. Um, and her name is Lucky. Is that what we call her? <laughs> no, her, her name is Megan. Oh, okay. Every time you see yeah. her, do you look at her and go, "You mother"? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. All right. No. Fair enough. You seem like a decent person. That's what I would do. <laughs> I'd walk right in. I'd be like, oh, there's the one that just didn't get any of the stuff. <laughs> like, no. No, that's lo- – uh, I'm, again, almost mostly joking. <laughs> um, okay. So I feel like we're done. Let me um, hey. let me tell you right now because I know you you were very concerned about it. I've made a note every time you use P's real name. Um, Thank you. Every time you cursed. You know you said – once once that's right yeah. you did i was i was like oh she is canadian that's what i thought as soon as that happened and uh you used your husband's name do you want that out or is that okay oh uh, that's okay okay great i yeah. can't thank you enough for doing this it's my pleasure yeah. and thank you yeah do you actually listen to the podcast or are you just doing this out of kindness i do or? so strangely enough i did not listen to podcasts until p got diabetes uh, and then I found your podcast within days of her diagnosis, and I listened obsessively, uh, and it's the only podcast that I listen to. Oh. Um, so I probably listen to hundreds of them now, but um, I really do find value. I love both. I, I love both listening to people with diabetes and their lived experience, and I really enjoy listening to the parents as well. Mm. So uh, I like that you have both on there because I, I think they're both valid experiences. But yeah, I really enjoy it. Isn't it a strange, um, strange thing that the sentiment, I can't, it's lovely of you to have parents and adults with type one diabetes on the same type one diabetes podcast. Isn't it odd that that's not <laughs> just obvious to people sometimes, right. you know, like, or yeah. like, you know, I, I have somebody on with type two once and I got a note, never have people with type two on again. I was like, what? She's like, this is a podcast for type ones. I was like, uh, no, that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> And it's your podcast. You yeah, can do whatever you want with also, it. Also, I can pretty much do whatever I like. Yeah. And and yeah. by the way, I always think this too. It's free. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> That's, just, just so everyone knows, any of your feedback that comes in, my first thought is, hey, it's free. Shut up. And then I go to your actual <laughs> the substance of what you've said. <laughs> but right. um, you – so I and – this podcast brought you into the world of podcasts. You did not listen yes. to any, and now you listen to many. Well, I listened to yours. Oh, or do you listen <laughs> I don't to really others? listen to any other podcasts. Oh, when you said hundreds, you meant you've listened to hundreds of mine. Yes, hundreds oh, of your episodes. Oh, I thought, well, that's better than what yeah. I thought. I thought you meant yeah. you were listening to other podcasts. And I was like, well, that no. takes away from the time you can listen to mine. So I'm not <laughs> thrilled about that. But um, no, oh, that's no, I listen to your episodes. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, then that's the review I want from you on Canadian Apple Music, the only podcast I listen to. <laughs> I did a review at one point. Thank I don't you. remember what I said. Well, but. Oh, that's very nice. I, I'm going to turn it into a T-shirt and, and sell it to people. The only podcast I you listen should. to. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for doing this. Would you hold on for one second for me? Sure. Thanks. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. And don't forget to check everything out at juiceboxpodcast.com. And if you're going to support the sponsors, please use my links. They're available in the audio app you're listening in right now in the show notes of those apps and at juiceboxpodcast.com, or just please take the time to write them down and type them into a browser. It really does help the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.